Now, remember the men of Ephraim? When Gideon came back having gotten the victory and they said, why didn't you call us? Well, here they are again, chapter 12. And the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said to Jephthah, why did you pass over to fight against the children of Ammon? And you didn't call us to go with you. We're going to burn you and your house with fire. Verse 1. Well, they got by with this kind of stuff with Gideon. I mean, Gideon was just a very, well, he was just very diplomatic and he was a mild-mannered guy, but not so Jephthah. He was the son of a harlot and he was one tough cookie. He grew up with a tough crowd and you don't mess with Jephthah like you did Gideon. And so they came to Jephthah, throwing on him the same trip that they threw on Gideon years earlier. And Jephthah said, I and my people, verse 2. Now, pay attention here and notice, Jephthah was a very egocentric person. Notice all the eyes and the mys and so forth in these next few verses. It demonstrates this guy's egocentricities. And Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon, and I called you, and you delivered me not out of their hands. And when I saw that you daily delivered me not, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Wherefore, then are you come up against me, against me this day, to fight against me? Verses 2 and 3. So notice all these personal programs this guy's using. I mean, he's, he's very ego-driven. And Jephthah gathered together all of the men of Gilead, and they fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead smote Ephraim, because they said, the Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim and among the Ephraimites and among the Massonites. And the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites. Verses 4 and 5. And they came over against them into the land of Gilead, crossed Jordan, coming over against them. And so the men of Jephthah took the forts where they crossed the Jordan River. And as the Ephraimites were trying to sneak back into their own land, they'd stop them and they'd say, say Shibboleth and say you are an Ephraimite. Oh, no, 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 we're not Ephraimites. And they'd say, say Shibboleth. And the guys from Ephraim apparently couldn't pronounce, they couldn't pronounce the sh sound. And they'd say Sibboleth and they knew that they were the Ephraimites and so they'd wipe them out. And some 42,000 Ephraimites bit the dust. And Jephthah judged Israel for six years, and he died, and was buried in one of the cities of Gilead, verse 7. So really, he didn't reign very long at all, just six years. And then the tenth judge was this guy, Ibzan, from Bethlehem. And his claim to fame was that he had 30 sons and 30 daughters, who he sent abroad to marry with the kings from other nations. And he took in 30 daughters from abroad for his sons. 
So he shipped his daughters out and then took 30 daughters from other kingdoms for his sons. He judged Israel for seven years, and he was buried in Bethlehem. Then Agilon came as the 11th judge, and he was from the tribe of Zebulun. He judged Israel for the years, and he was buried in the country of Zebulun. Then Abdon became the 12th judge, the son of Hillel. And he had 40 sons and 30 nephews that rode on 70 donkeys, and he judged Israel for eight years, verses 13 through 14. So these guys really didn't do very much. I mean, not much is told about them at all in the scripture. Chapter 13. The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. There is a certain man from Zorah. He was of the tribe of Dan, and his name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, verses 1 and 2. And one day she was out in the field, and an angel of the Lord visited her there in the field and told her that she was going to become pregnant. She was going to bear a son, and through her son, God was going to begin delivering the children of Israel from the Philistines. Now, the angel said, the son is to be dedicated unto God. You're not to allow a razor to come to his head. A Nazarite vow, not cutting your hair. Also, he was not to drink any wine or strong drink, anything that came from the vine, for he was to be a Nazarite from his birth, dedicated. His life was to be dedicated unto God. A commitment of his life to God. Well, she was all excited, so she ran and she told her husband about this man that met her in the field, told her that she was going to have, <clears throat> going to become pregnant and have a son, and that she was not to shave his hair and not give him any wine or strong drink. And he said, What did he look like? And what did he tell you? And he said, Oh, God, if it's really you that appeared, appear again, so we can have some further instruction about what we are to do with this child. So she was out in the field again, and the angel of the Lord appeared again, and she said, Would you mind waiting here? My husband wants to meet you. So she ran and got her husband, and said, The man who appeared to me in the beginning is here again. So Manoah came running up and said, I just, well, you know, I, I heard the story and I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to, to know a little bit more instruction. She was sort of excited and I want to make sure I got the, well, you know, the, the instructions right. <laughs> How we're supposed to raise this kid and what we're supposed to do with him and all. And, and tell me again. So the angel repeated and he said, just like I told her. Don't give him any wine, anything that comes from the vine. Don't cut his hair. He is to be a Nazarite, dedicated unto God. <clears throat> and Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, verse 15, I pray you, let us detain you until we have made ready a kid for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat of your bread, 
And if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. So Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, what is your name? So that when your sayings come to pass, that we might honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask after my name, seeing it is secret? Verses 15 through 18. So the word secret here in the Hebrew is actually wonderful. Why are you asking me my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the kid with a meal offering, and he offered it on a rock unto the Lord. And the angel of the Lord did wondrously while Manoah and his wife looked on. For while the fire was coming up, the angel stepped into the fire and descended up to heaven. And Manoah fell on his face and said, Oh man, we're going to get wiped out. We saw an angel of the Lord face to face. And his wife said, Hey, what do you mean? If God wanted to wipe us out, why would he tell us we're going to have a baby and all this and give us all these promises? And so he said, Well, okay, I guess you're right. <laughs> so the level head of Manoah's wife prevailed. So she bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move in times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtal, verses 24 and 25. And so the valley of Zorah and Eshtal are actually about eight miles from Jerusalem toward Tel Aviv. And that is a very beautiful, fertile valley through there. It was part of the inheritance of the tribe of Dan. And so this is where he grew up, and God's spirit began to move on him at various times. Chapter 14. Now, Samson went down to Timnath, in verse 1 which was a Philistine city, and there he fell in love with one of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came home and he said to his parents, I want you to go down and make arrangements for me to marry that girl. And just a little side note here, it's interesting to me that these are the first words that we hear of Samson. Hey, mom and dad, go, go get me that girl. And they said, oh, come on, Samson, all these beautiful Israeli girls around here, why do you have to go down and fall in love with a Philistine? Now, they didn't know that God was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. So Samson here is a self-willed young kid, and he says, hey, don't give me a bad time, just go down and make the arrangements. So his parents went down to make the arrangements, and Samson was tagging along behind them, and a lion jumped him. And the spirit of the Lord came on him, and he took that line and ripped the thing in two, just like it had been a little goat or something. He tossed the carcass over the bushes, dusted off his hands, and didn't tell anybody. The parents went on down to Timnath, and he got to see his girlfriend. They made all their arrangements for the dowry and so forth, so that he could marry her. And so the time for the wedding came, and so they were on their way back to Timnath. And again, his parents went ahead of him, and curious, he got to the place where he tossed the carcass in the bushes, and he wondered what that old carcass looked like. And so he went over to see what 
the carcass looked like and the degree of deterioration and everything. And at this point, and he saw that bees had made a hive in the carcass and there was a honeycomb in there. So he grabbed it. He began to eat the honey and caught up with his parents and gave them some of the honey. And he still didn't tell them what had happened. And he went on down to Timnath, started the whole, and the whole wedding festival started. Now, in those days, they really did a big number for weddings. I mean, it was a seven-day kind of a feast prior to the wedding. They really celebrated. I mean, the last of your single days. So they appointed 30 of the Philistines to be his companions during this period of revelry, the partying and all prior to the wedding. And so Samson said to these 30 Philistines, I'm going to give you a riddle. And if you can tell me the riddle by the time of the wedding day, then I will give you 30 shirts and 30 changes of garments. But if you can't tell me the riddle at the end of the seven days, then you've got to give me 30 shirts and 30 changes of garments. Verses 12 and 13. And the guy said, what's your riddle? And so he gave it to them, the riddle. And he said, out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And these guys for three days hassled with this thing. Out of the eater came forth meat, out of the strong came forth sweetness. And after three days, and they hadn't gotten anywhere with it, they came to his bride-to-be and they said, what a rat you are. You're just trying to rip us off. That's why he chose us to be his companions. You're just trying to get 30 shirts and 30 changes of garments out of us for your, for your closet or whatever. No way. And they said, you better find out what that riddle is or we're going to burn you and your dad's house. And so she came to Samson and said, you really don't love me. And he said, what do you mean I don't love you? Oh, if you love me, you would have told me what the riddle is. And he said, no, what are you talking about? I haven't even told my parents what the riddle is. See, I told you, you don't love me. And she started this always with tears and day after day, you know, here's, here's his bride to be always in tears. You don't love me. And finally, Samson had had it. He couldn't stand the tears anymore. And he said, ah, it means nothing. He said, I killed this lion out, out there. And in his carcass, there was a honeycomb. So out of the eater, there came forth sweets. So she told these guys the day of the wedding, it came. And so Samson said, okay, fellas, what's the riddle? And they said, what's stronger than a lion? And what's sweeter than honey? And he really got angry here. And he said, if you hadn't been plowing with my heifer, you'd have never found out. Verse 18. And so he was seriously upset now. And he went down to Ashkelon, one of the Philistine cities along the coast of the Mediterranean. And he got a hold of 30 Philistines and cracked their skulls together, took their shirts and their clothes, came back and paid off his debt and went home. And after he cooled down, he came back to see his wife, and that's where the next problem begins. 
And we'll get into that the next time in next time study as we move along with Samson. Samson's an interesting character. And there's a lot to share with you about Samson. But we'll wait until that to get the full story next week. And then we'll draw some interesting observations and analogies from Samson. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the blessings you set before our feet. Lord, may we see the bounty and the good things you have given us. And may we, Lord, bless you with our lives and praise you with our mouths. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.